often talk about <coughs> intrinsic value. So this is how he invests. It's how he evaluates companies. He evaluates how they like how much they're actually producing. And based on that, he determines their their worth, their value, what he thinks their value is in the moment. And and in the future. And then he takes a look at what the how the market's valued, what other people are producing, essentially. And if he believes that the company is undervalued, um, he buys. And this is something that I think, you know, it's an argument in real estate whether or not you need, you should invest for cash flow or for appreciation. And a lot of people settle on, when you're starting out, invest for, mostly for cash flow, you know, with, with some appreciation and equity play. Uh, but, um, you know, especially if you need the cash flow, like if you're trying to get out of your day job, you need, you need the cash flow. But if, you know, you're older and, you don't necessarily need that monthly income. You just need to build up your portfolio um, or whatever your goals are. You, you should invest for appreciation, which still doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know. I guess if they're if they're if you're more more susceptible, the older you are, the more susceptible you are to risk. The less time you have to recover. People see cash flow as risky because, well, I don't know why. I mean, people have explained it to me, but it doesn't make sense. Then here's Warren Buffett talking about how he evaluates companies, and he is, he is he, like, he's literally saying, uh, like, if invest, if you're investing for cash flow, you're investing, you're investing for per, for what the company produces. But if you're investing, if you're investing for what the <clears throat> what the company could be worth in the future, then you're speculating and that's not investing. He's talking about appreciation. So if the defining value is what that company is going to be worth in 5, 10, 20 years, if that is the reason why you're investing, you're speculating, you're not investing. But if you're, if you're investing because they are producing more value than what the market is is evaluating them as the market is spending on them then it's good to get in now so you get the cash flow so you get the benefit of that of that cash flow of that production as well as what it's going to be worth in the future because the market will eventually catch up and you'll have gotten on board before And I think that plays in all aspects of business, especially in real estate. I, like to me, that just settles the cash flow versus appreciation question. It's not necessarily. About, I mean, it is about the cash. It is about. Uh, I yeah, cash flow. Invest for cash flow primarily, always. Why? Even when you are high, like even 
further on. Like Warren Buffett is 80 years old and he still invests for cash flow. He and it's not because he's looking for the cash month in, month in and month out. It's because he's he sees that the asset is actually producing something. And he knows that if that asset is producing something and you can buy at a discount now, it's going to continue to produce as long as, you know, there's certain other factors involved that you need to evaluate, but and you're comfortable that it will continue to produce, then it doesn't matter what the market does, what the market says 5, 10, 20 years from now, how much, how far it goes up or how far it drops down, it will continue to produce. And I think that's just sound investing. Like you, it's, this is this is kind of like the foundation of intrinsic value, um, and the foundation of value investing, which is pretty much the principles that uh, you know Buffett has built his investing career on, built his wealth on. And it simplifies business. So the minute you step into saying, no, no, okay, the minute you step into appreciation as your primary drive for investing, the, the thing that you're actually evaluating a deal on, the primary metric that you're evaluating a deal on, you introduce a whole world of complexity because you cannot predict what the market is going to do 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. There's always going to be a there's always going to be a margin for error, and there's no and there's no telling. Even if you account for a specific margin of error, it, there's nothing that says that the market's going to hold to that margin of error. And at some point, it won't. It will swing wildly in the direction that you did not expect, to your benefit or to your detriment. So there's a there's there's so many uncertainties, so many variables in speculation that make it extremely difficult. And that's why you get a lot of investors talking about diversification. Which makes sense if you're not, and Buffett says this, this isn't me, and it makes, but so it makes sense to me. But diversification makes sense if you're not actually devoted to your investments, but you just want to put your money somewhere that it's going to do all right. But if you actually want to make money, if you actually want your money to make money, diversification isn't necessarily your first play. Yes, you want to be invested in many companies, but you want to be invested in many companies that are producing that are, that are producing results, high producers. So if there aren't many high producers to invest in, then don't be invested in many companies. But if there are a lot of high producers to be that in the market and invest in them. That's his point. And I like that because it's it's less about should I have in real in real estate. So from a stock market perspective, it's like how many stocks should you have in your portfolio? And he's like, it doesn't matter how many stocks you have in your portfolio. How many of them are producing? That's all that matters. Get rid of get rid of the ones that don't and keep the ones that do. 
Because if you buy 10 stocks, if you buy 20, 30 stocks, but you only have three high producers, the money that you put into, let's say you have 30 stocks and you have three high producers, the other 27 that you put money into is all the money that you could have put into those top three producers. Where your money is, you're getting a way better return on your money. And it's a safe bet because you, because they have they have been high, they are high producers, they have proven high producers. Same thing in real estate. Why put your money in a whole bunch of different strategies and even necessarily in a whole bunch of different properties that give you average um, average results when you can put your money into a few properties that give you extremely good results. Now, if you can put your money into a lot of different properties that give you really good results, then by all means. That, but it's, it's about what each deal is producing, what each property is producing, and that's how you evaluate the deal and how you evaluate that. Now, some people would say that appreciation is a big, can, like what, what a property produces is, uh, appreciation is a part of what a property produces, like that's a part of the value that it brings. No, it's icing on the cake because appreciation is solely dependent on the market, not on, not on the property itself. Now, what a property produces largely comes from what you can what you can actually negotiate to buy it at and the negotiated price and the discount you can buy it at and then um, the rent that you can achieve from it or you know the profit you can make on it but in, in the long term buy and hold scenario it's the rent you can achieve on it the rental value you can achieve on it and that is determined by the market but that is much less volatile than the rental market is much less volatile than uh, straight um, uh, home price or property price value. And when you're buying right for cash flow, so you buy, you buy with your first instinct is to, first of all, you find a market with high enough high enough with rents that makes sense so that when when you buy at a discount it only increases your ability it only increase, increases the what's that called the economic power I don't know the, the like the revenue potential of that property you can make more money straight up like so if you have so if you have a market where even if you were to buy at say market or just under market prices and it would and it could still cash flow and positively and now you're coming in and buying under under market price and looking for the discounts looking for those undervalued properties then your profit potential soars your revenue potential soars and you just make more money investment it's a high yield investment and some people argue that high yield means higher risk and it's not necessarily true because a high yield investment because you bought at a discount because you're in a market where the rents make sense anyways even without the discount or without as much of a discount you're now you now have a safety level that can't be beat for, because even by anyone who's buying at a, at, a, at a lower yield, which is supposed to, in some theories, 
even mean lower risk? Well, you are actually at less risk because you have a property that's producing way more right from the get-go and you don't need to dump a lot of cash in for it to produce like that. Even though you have the choice, if you could, you could put more cash into it and produce more. It's just, it's just about opportunity, right? Like, and this is another point that that Buffett makes. It's like it, it's all about opportunity costs. Like, if you're gonna have all your money tied up in in one property, it might as well be a high-producing property. But if you can take your money out and get three or four more high-producing properties. That's safety. Some people would say leverage is risk. Yeah, yes, but if you have, if you are leveraged in income generating properties, hot, like in solid income generating properties that you bought at a discount under market value, you now have this buffer from market volatility and you're producing cash that is creating even more equity in that property and creating even more safety and reducing the risk even more. So yes, you might be leveraged, might be higher, you have higher leverage on each property, but because they're all high producers, your less is actually a risk than if you had a lot of cash in one or fewer properties. This isn't my stuff, I'm just learning this. Like this is, this is stuff I'm getting excited about because it means that like, it's just so much simpler. It's so much simpler, and, and all you have, like, you, you have to buy at, at a, you have to know your market, that's the, that's the most complex thing. You just have to know your market. And once you know your market, then you know if you're buying at a discount or not. It's easy after that, it's so simple. And you just have to buy at a discount and have your systems in place. And once, and you know, maybe learning those systems, that's a bit of a learning curve. But once those systems are learned, like they're in place, like you don't have to relearn them. You might have to like update as the systems, as like regulations change and stuff like that. But once you know those systems, that's all you, that's, you're just, you're flying. You just set it on autopilot. You learn your market, you learn your systems, and then you just make sure that your income is more than your revenue always. And you make sure that your money is be at best use at its best use return on equity you have if you if you are building up equity in a property you're actually losing that that the value of that investment is actually decreasing because the return on that equity the more equity you have you're not really you're not necessarily getting any more return let's say your return in that property is going up by 2% uh, 2.5, 3% a year. Let's say 3%. That's generous. In, 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 in Ontario, you can't do that. It'd be 2.2, but let's just say, in, you know, because, that, you know, with, with filling vacancies and stuff like that, it averages out at 3% um, increase in return. Like your, your return on investment, that percentage increases by, you know, 3% each year. Um, As you pay down the mortgage, you're building up equity in that property. And then as, as the property appreciates, it, that's building up equity as well. So 
you start off your higher that you you're uh, you're a bit higher leveraged so the equity in the property is smaller but because that equity number is smaller let's say you have fifty thousand dollars equity in the property um, whether it's cash in or maybe uh or or just because of because you bought well and um you didn't have to take out all the cash um or you didn't have to take out all the equity anyway but you got all your cash out or whatever let's just say fifty thousand dollars for for the purposes of illustrating this you have fifty thousand dollars of equity in a property and um you know you're making you're making five thousand uh you're cash flowing five thousand dollars a year that's really slim actually let's say ten thousand dollars a year let's say you're cash flowing ten thousand dollars a year these are not realistic numbers i'm just i'm yeah okay $50,000 equity, $10,000 cash flow in you. That's a 20% return on equity. As you pay down the mortgage, as you pay down the principal, and as it appreciates over the next five years, let's say it's $75,000 of equity in that property, but you're still, maybe maybe it's only like $11,000 or, or, or $13,000 that you're cash flowing. Well, you've increased, your equity's increased by $25,000, but your, your cash flow is only increased by, um, you know, let's say a maximum of $3,000. Well, I mean, you're still getting some sweet cash out of that property, but the equity you have built up in that is now greater. And so the return on equity is smaller, is, 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 is getting slimmer. And so the, the money you have, the, the value you have in that property is actually less uh, than when you started. And so Buffett's point is you're losing opportunity. That's opportunity that you're losing. That's opportunity cost. If you don't find a way to use that equity somehow, you're losing opportunity. There, you could put that money in, you could put that equity um, into another investment, um, get, and, and now, let's say you were to cash out $50,000. Now you still have $25,000 and that you put the 50,000 into another property and, and your, ROI, your ROE, your return on equity, the value you have in your investments goes up. So all, so it, and what that measures is, and you're like, well, that's kind of like an esoteric number. No, what it means is, all of the potential, all of all of the the investment potential that you have available to you is at its best use, and that's what Buffett's talking about. And so some people would would seek to not leverage so high because they're worried about market downturns or they're worried about the safety of their money where as the point is like yeah but without a return without the best use of your if you're not putting your value the value of your investments to its best use you're actually at higher risk than someone who maybe might be more highly leveraged than you but the value, their equity is at, is working harder for them and producing better results for them. So if, and, and so they're better protected from volatility. Even though they are more highly leveraged, as long as they are making investments that, that, are, that are producing and in, in every market, in whatever market they're investing in, in every market, as long as they're making investments that are producing, that are high producers, are producing well they are better protected than you are with um, only 
know, letting your equity build up in, in properties and I mean, your cash flow is good in those properties, there's no doubt, and that's not a bad thing. And if the market if the market does tank, something happens, you do have a buffer there, but um, you're limited. The minute you get rid of, the minute you have to take, you have, because the minute you have to get rid of one of those properties, that is one less high producer for you. And that is a big chunk of your investment gone. Big chunk of what you, it's a, well, it's a bigger chunk of, so if you have a few high producing, um, if you have a few high producing properties, uh, but your equity isn't at work for you, and something happens and you have to let go of one of those properties to to, to pad your bank account or, to, or just to pad your investments or to, to help your others produce to, to keep them producing well or whatever you have to do it. You know, I think I'm I'm now running to the limit of my understanding. As far as I can see it, okay, because we just talked about having a few good producers and that's all you need. No, it's about having producers, period. And if you, and so now we've stepped from, okay, so you're no longer producing from a, you're, sorry, you're no longer just in investing for appreciation, but you're also, you're investing for cash flow. Great, but now you're worried about being too highly leveraged. So I, I like, I didn't explain that that's what I stepped from in this, in this whole kind of process. So, okay, now we've convinced you to invest for cash flow, great, but now you're worried about leveraging too high because leverage is apparently risk. Well, it is if you're not investing in the right deals, if you're not investing in high producing deals. So now, okay, so you've been invested and you have a few good producers, but if you're not putting that equity to risk in other high producers, then you are, you are, now you are vulnerable because if you have, if something happens and you have to get rid of one of those assets, you're, your overall production takes a production percentage takes a big hit. So if you have three three properties and you get rid of one of them, thirty three percent of your income is gone. But if you have if you have ten high producing properties that are all more highly leveraged, and you have to get rid of two of them, you've only just dropped twenty percent of your of of your income, and you still have eight high income producing properties. See what I mean? Anyway, it's interesting. Oh. This is this is how how it works, and I will take a small to get in now. Okay, so from my standpoint, from where I am personally right now, to get in, I will take a smaller percentage of equity in 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 good deals, just to get in, because I can because I can grow that, I can grow that interest, and I'm in. Now, if I can find sweetheart deals where I have a higher percentage, I can do that too. But any way I can to get in, I will because this is once you're in, especially once you're in on a on an, on a, an asset that continues to produce, it will always produce. 
or it will produce for a long time. When it doesn't, then you have to reevaluate. But once you're in the market, growth is exponential.